I think we can just start whenever you're ready. Are you ready? Like, or should we just get, should we just get after it? Yeah, let's get after it. Better, <laughs> better. Sort yourself yeah. out, girl. Sort yourself out. Hi, and welcome to The Improvement Project, a podcast about dabbling in self-improvement 30 days at a time. On today's episode, we are going to reveal what my first monthly habit challenge will be. I'm Dr. Peggy Malone, a healthcare provider and human being trying my best to be better and encouraging others to do the same. I'm in London, Ontario, Canada, and with me is my much more disciplined friend, Jenny. Today's the day when we start geeking out on why you would want to take on new habits and we'll give you our take on how to take your first steps. That's me, Jenny Kaus, a marketing professional from St. Thomas, Ontario, also in Canada. I'm a small town gal and a big believer in the power of habits. I'm going to do my best to whip our guinea peg into shape and hold her accountable to habit changes that she will undertake one month at a time. I'll be playing along too, and as we take on new habit each month, we hope to inspire you to become more disciplined, more consistent, happier, healthier, more productive, and overall, your own best self. On today's episode, we will introduce our monthly challenge and give you an idea of what to expect if you want to play along. We will also introduce several segments that will show up each week during the podcast that will help to keep you in the know about all things habits and keep you on track on your journey to getting better. So why would anybody want to develop better habits? Why do it? What's the benefit? Well, according to my online pretend best friend, Gretchen Rubin's book on creating better habits, it's called Better Than Before, habits are the invisible architecture of daily life. We repeat about 40% of our behavior almost daily. So our habits shape our existence and our future. If we change our habits, we change our lives. So how do we change our habits if we aren't happy with our current daily habits, our current existence, the current trajectory of our future, or our current lives? It's a question for the ages and no one size fits all solution exists. Through this podcast, we are going to explore and discuss different techniques that people have used to change their habits and adopt better ones. Each week, we will take a look at the research and interesting articles, as well as sharing our own experiences in the past as we go on this journey. We also hope to hear from you so that you can let us know what works for you as you take on new habits. We are also going to attempt to take on a new habit every month in such a way that it will be locked in from now until forever and will just be part of us in that 40% of our habitual daily behaviors that we just do without really thinking about it. All right, so our, our first segment we're going to talk about today is Habits Corner, or we might call it Experiment of One. We haven't decided yet. Stay tuned for our next episode. In this segment, we will take a look at some relevant research an interesting article, or just jam about our own experiences as we work on forming new habits. Okay, so Peg, how long does it take to form a new habit? I think that is one of the biggest questions out there is how long do I need to do this? And I I don't know about you, but I feel like I hear everywhere that it's a 21 day thing that after 21 days, some people I've even heard 28. But 21 seems to be a really common have you heard that as well? Yeah, it's everywhere. It's it's sort of like every self help guru, Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, everybody talks about the 21 days to get a new habit. So it's really ubiquitous in the internet in the world of uh, self-help peeps. 
Absolutely. I did a little bit of research on this, of course, because we're nerds. And yes, I, yes, I, came like across, <laughs> I came across so many interesting articles, both backing up this 21-day theory, but also debunking it and saying, maybe it's 66 days. Maybe it's, you know, all these different numbers of, you know, some said 18 all the way up to 254 days to form a new habit. So the research out there, there is a ton of it and it gives us all sorts of different answers. I will say from my own personal experience, I think that a month, I think a month was a good amount of time. I think it did it for me, but there is so much research out there. And I think, yeah, it probably takes more than 21 days. And there's other factors involved other than just time. I'm sure we're going to talk about that. But let's look at this as a one-month experiment. And let's not get down on ourselves if we haven't mastered something in 21 days. Or even in 30 days. We're working on Absolutely. it. We're a work in progress. You got it. All right. So one of the questions you might want to ask yourself as you're taking on new habits is, should you start small or should you take on a whole bunch of new habits at once? So some people do better when they start small and others need to go big or go home. So some people can somehow completely make themselves over with essentially a whole new lifestyle all at once. And you know, I have opinions about this, Peg. Of course you do. I... Please, please share. <laughs> I don't consider myself a terribly opinionated person, but when it comes to habits, I am opinionated. And the reason why is I think that it's about building that muscle of discipline in you. So I think that if by doing one at a time and making it easy, you build toward more success in the future because you build that muscle of believing that you're capable of doing it. So that's why I believe in doing one at a time and starting small. That's from my experience. What do you think? Well, I, I, 100% believe in your experience. I watched you go through it. But if we want to talk about the research to back it up, there's this guy and his name is BJ Fogg. Uh, and he has a system and a website called Tiny Habits. And his whole thing is threefold. The first part is get specific. And that is what behavior do you want? Then the second piece is make it easy. How do you how can you make this behavior easy to do? And then the third piece is trigger the behavior. So what will prompt the behavior? Some cues are natural and some you will need to design. And I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later today. Mm -hmm. So um, in terms of triggers, some of the ones that work best are things like uh, pairing the habit that you want to form with something that you already have locked in. So an example for me is I really like to drink coffee in the morning. So it would be a good idea for me to pair that with something like I'm not allowed to have my coffee until I drink a liter of water. I love that. I think that's a great thing. And I totally love the idea of a trigger that completely works for me. I have uh, my big bottle of water and I oddly, some people find this odd. I drink it in the shower. Uh, it's something I'm doing anyway, and I just, I put it out the night before, and I... I think I that's awesome. My... It's something I've never heard before until you told me that you do that. It I love seems, it. It seems like a lot of water all at once, that you're physically in the water and you're drinking water, but it's something that you're doing. So say when you're waiting for your conditioner, I don't know, something like that. Like you're in there anyway, so why not just do it? And you can't get out until you're done drinking your water. And then I also do another one on the drive to work, which is very doable. So those are two times that I'm doing something that I connect with drinking water. So that's, I, I love the trigger idea. So side note, I know we're going to talk more about drinking water later, but did it take you a while to get to a place where you didn't have to pee terribly by the time you got to work after you just drank a giant bottle of water in the shower and then on the way to work? I have an eight minute commute. And oh, so you're okay. So far, I'm okay. If I was still doing my half hour commute, 
it would definitely be a very speedy run into the office. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> awesome. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the monthly challenge. This is something that's, that we're going to do every month. And uh, this is our first month. So we want to talk about uh, this monthly challenge and what it means. So we're going to take a new habit, take on a new habit every month. And we hope that you, the listener, will play along with us. So each month will be based on a theme and the new habit will be somehow related to the theme. This month, we are introducing the idea of habits and taking on new habits. So we are going to start with everyday habits that we think most people should incorporate into their lives. Yes, these are kind of basic habits. So things like making your bed, flossing your teeth, and what we just spoke about, drinking more water. I think it's safe to say that Peggy and I agree that the starting small technique is probably what works for us. And that's what we're going to encourage you to do during that challenge. So pick one of those things and try incorporating it into your daily life. All right. So I have experimented with a couple of these habits already. So I'm going to do three habits, even though we're still recommending that if you're playing along, just pick one. Uh, You're such a keener. I know. I'm a nerd and a keener (laughs) and I'm after it. I'm going to get after it. I'm hoping it's inspirational for people. Pick one. Um, So making your bed. So I have this one already locked in, in my world, and it doesn't feel right until this is done. I wake up, I make the bed. If I don't have the bed made, the rest of the day does not go the way that I want it to. So I know that a ton of people out there don't necessarily have this as a regular habit, and that's why we're including it. It's also mentioned a lot in the literature and in books and articles about habits, and that's part of the reason why we're including it. Great. Okay, side note question for you. Sure. Did you, as a kid, did you make your bed? No. No. And no. that was not an expectation to have a, like, was it normal in your house to have a ba- made bed or no? Uh, sometimes if there was sometimes. company coming over, uh, <laughs> I don't think no, it was I... something I, I'm one of five. So I think my mom, uh, if we were alive, she was cool. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Yeah. I get that. A video went viral around the socials and the interwebs, as you like to say, (laughs) of Naval Admiral William McRaven, the commander of the U.S. Special Operations. In a 2014 commencement speech at the University of Texas at Austin, Admiral McRaven said, if you make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of pride and encourage you to do another task and another and another. By the end of the day, that one task completed will have turned into many tasks completed. Making your bed will also reinforce the fact that little things in life matter. Absolutely. So there's a there's a book and it's called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. And according to him, uh, daily bed making becomes a keystone habit. And that's something that kickstarts a chain of other good decisions throughout the day. And it gives you a sense of taking charge. He claims that these keystone habits will cumulatively, cumulatively, that's a hard word to say, isn't it? That's a rough one. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. Lead to cumulatively. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Jenny. (laughs) Um, it will lead to a greater sense of well-being and stronger skills at sticking with a budget. So it's related to other things. And it just goes to show you that making your bed every day is sort of like creates a habit loop where you've closed one loop. Now you can go into the next thing. It's going to close another loop and you'll be more productive as the day goes on. So it's pretty impressive results for taking a minute or two to like pull up your duvet. Absolutely. Um, I also saw that Gretchen Rubin, who, she, who you know, my- you're... Yeah, my online, my online best friend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, that it lowers your stress and improves your mood. And Gretchen Rubin, her saying is outer order equals inner calm. I love that so much. 
The next habit we're going to talk about and the next one I'm going to take on is flossing your teeth. So I've gone through stages where I've done this consistently every day for over a year. And then for whatever reason, I've fallen off and I've not done it once in six months. So with some built-in accountability, I should be able to add this habit back without too much trouble. Wow. Yeah, that is definitely a good one. I used to lie and tell the hygienist at the dentist office that I flossed once a week. And that like, that was a complete lie. She knew it. I knew it, (laughs) but we participated in this lie back and forth. And I knew that I needed to do it more often. And for me, this seemed like a very manageable habit to add when I was doing my year of habit challenges. It pairs so easily with brushing your teeth at bedtime. It's really easy to just, you know, add that into that part of your evening routine because most of us brush our teeth at bedtime. Now that I'm two years into this habit being a part of my daily routine, I, I can't not do it. And I have noticed that my teeth feel gross. If I don't, I can't believe that I went all those years without doing it now that I am doing it daily. And I will say the next time I went to the dentist office, the hygienist could tell right away that I had been flossing daily. And so for me, that was a huge benefit and an encouragement to see that there actually was a tangible difference for me doing it. And that has motivated me to keep up with it. Awesome. And when we go back to your year of habits, when you took on something every month, was this the very first (laughs) habit you took on? It was not. Oh, okay. This was month two, I want to say. Okay. And yeah, I remember that when you were going through that flossing was one of them. So this is an example of you, the listener, take on one habit. So flossing teeth is a really great one. Flossing your teeth has fantastic benefits. And you've probably heard of some of them. And they're sort of like floating around in the back of your mind. Oh, yeah, I should do that. But uh, I'll... uh, chime in with my Dr. Peggy minute and tell you that uh, regular use of dental floss removes plaque, helping to prevent the buildup of plaque, which can lead to tartar. Uh, It also can prevent tooth decay decay and uh, reduce the risk of developing gum disease, which is also called periodontal disease, and then potential tooth loss as a result. So a lot of people know that, but they don't necessarily know that problems inside your mouth are just the tip of the iceberg. So uh, a lot of times, practicing good oral hygiene, including flossing can lead to benefits in other health ways as well. So, uh, gum disease has been associated with ailments in other areas of the body, such as heart disease, HPV infection, mouth cancers, diabetes, and kidney failure. So as much as those things are scary things, most people don't necessarily associate them with the lack of flossing their teeth, but flossing your teeth, it's not hyperbole to say that if you floss your teeth, it will improve your life expectancy based on all of these potential things that can come about as a result of not flossing your teeth. Now, I just said a lot about flossing your teeth and there's not a ton of research that shows the link as to why flossing your teeth is associated with or not flossing your teeth is associated with those potential sinister things. But there's some speculation that it's based on bacteria in the blood in your mouth coming into the bloodstream and creating issues, um, different viruses in your mouth not being flushed out through the flossing that can create the HPV that can lead to mouth and oral cancers. So bottom line here is don't worry about the scary stuff. Just floss floss your teeth. Wow. I... I knew it was good for you, but that was a lot of information, what it actually does. And I'm not going to lie. I feel a little bit smarmy now that I've got two years in of flossing (laughs) daily. I'm feeling pretty high and mighty right now. I think a great way to incorporate this habit is to make it easy. So 
I'm going to say something that is going to sound like, you know, me as being, I'm very minimalist about things, but I'm going to say, keep flush stashed everywhere, especially when you're starting with this habit, keep it where you need it. So those little samples that you get at the dentist office, keep one in your purse, uh, maybe in your desk drawer at work, in your gym bag, maybe in your car where you, you know, you're going to have time to do this perhaps in traffic, in your laptop bag, in your travel toiletry case. You might not think of flossing late at night because you're tired and you just want to go to bed, but it could hit you at another time during the day. So it's good to have those wherever you are so that if you have time to floss and you feel like doing it, you can do it. The, you know, and we say this, you know, like it could hit you anytime and you want to do it, but a really great thing to do is tie it together with some other habits. So yeah, just like, like we the, tri- yeah, the trigger we talked about before. Absolutely. So for me, the trigger that works is when I'm brushing my teeth before I go to bed, because I always, always, always brush my teeth before I go to bed. So it's become a thing where I floss, then I brush, and then I'm off to bed. So pair it up with another habit. Some people I know even have a lot of really good luck doing it while they're watching TV. I've seen people keep it with their remote and they'll sit there and floss their teeth while they're watching TV. Some people are grossed out by that, but hey, if you're going to do it, I think it's great. Uh, me too. Well, you know, you're talking before about your shower water. Sometimes yes. when I was in the habit of flossing regularly, I would be flossing my teeth in the shower. So that was another one that, that you could yeah. incorporate with pairing the shower with the flossing the teeth as well. Absolutely. Why not? Why not? All right. That's, so that's my third habit that I'm going to be taking on is drinking more water. So we've already mentioned this a couple of times, and I think this is a uh, the one where I'm going to be the most stretched and challenged. Uh, My liquid intake is usually coffee, 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 and then wine. So it's time to make it more about the H2O. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, I can understand that. I'm not a coffee drinker or a wine drinker, ironically. But something's wrong with you, by the way. We're going to have to talk about this. I know. But for me, it's tea. So I, I needed to get the water in there as well. Water is such a good idea. Here's some stat. I'm going to play the Dr. Peggy role for a moment here. Do it. And I'm going to talk to you about why water is so good for us. It makes up roughly 60% of our bodies. And what that is where it seriously pulls its weight. It helps transport nutrients to your cells, moves waste out of your body, and plays an important role in respiration and energy metabolism. Drinking enough water helps bodily functions, including digestion, absorption, circulation, creation of saliva, transportation of nutrients, and maintenance of body temperature. It keeps your kidneys happy. Your kidneys do an amazing job of cleansing and ridding your body of toxins as long as your intake of fluids is adequate. That's the key. And I can't like, I'm going to try really hard here, Peggy, but I'm not the medical professional and I'm a bit of a goofball. So <laughs> this it. next one, I'm just going to be completely mature. I'm going to pretend I'm you. Yep, and I'm going to say it keeps your bowels happy as well. More right. water keeps things flowing in your GI tract. And I think I know why you wanted me to talk about this part because you knew that it would be a challenge for me to not laugh because I'm not mature. <laughs> <laughs> Adequate water intake energizes your muscles during exercise. So that's why it's also important. It's also good for the health and look of your skin. Excellent. And it can help maintain healthy weight when you substitute it for high calorie beverages. Okay. So it's good for you. We've just established that. Thank you, Jenny, for that uh, rundown of all the reasons why water is good. It was really my pleasure. (laughs) 
<laughs> the, the next question everybody asks is, how much water should you drink? And this question is always a tough one when it's asked of me. And the answer is, it depends and it's a bit complicated. So how much water is your body getting rid of via sweat, bowel, bladder, and what's your activity level? And how big is your body? And a whole bunch of other questions. So really that whole eight glasses of water is basically an old wives tale. And many people will then try and counter that by saying, okay, we'll just drink when you're thirsty. And that's a good idea, I guess. But a sort of we've in modern culture, we've forgotten really what thirsty feels like unless we're just run a 10k or we're crawling across the desert looking for an oasis most people sometimes confuse thirst with hunger so then they start snacking when their body's really saying no no i just wanted the water so it's one of those things where we kind of have to reset that little trigger in our body to be like hey no no it's water that you want and the other thing you can use as a indicator is your pee so if you take a look at your pee and it's dark and smelly then drink some more water. All right. And if it's dilute and yellow, you're probably doing just fine. But the advice I usually give people is this, and I think it's probably the best objective measure. And it also takes into account different body sizes. So take your weight in pounds and then divide by two. And whatever that number is, you want to drink that number of ounces per day. So for me, that's about 75 ounces. So it might be a little bit more if I'm super active, but this is the number that I'm going to aim for in this challenge. I'm going to try and drink 75 ounces of water every single day for a month. And that will be an extreme challenge for me because as I said to you before, my my current uh, liquid intake right now is coffee, 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 wine. So we need to add some water. So creating the habit, my plan, 75 ounces of water per day for a month. And I have another online pretend best friend and her name is Shalene Johnson and she's fantastic. She does a lot of personal growth stuff and she talks a lot about getting enough water in and she has a plan where she has three stainless steel water bottles, each 25 ounces. She fills them up the night before and then creates the trigger by putting one of the bottles on the sink in the bathroom and in the morning, just as you do in the bathroom in the morning, sort of in your shower, or you could do it while you're getting your makeup on or getting your hair done or whatever, drink one of those bottles of water before you brush your teeth or at the very least before you drink the coffee. So for me, if I um, can say I'm not allowed to have my coffee until this at least 25 ounces is gone, that's going to be the first big challenge of the day for the water. So that's what I've, I'm setting up as my trigger. We'll see how it goes. I think that that's a great trigger. That's a great way to do it too. Once again, the minimals to me is kind of like, ooh, three water bottles. I don't know if I could handle that. One is plenty. (laughs) So the challenge with the one, and I get it. If you're, well, and again, we're going to talk about this in a minute when we talk about if you're a Jenny or a Peggy, but (laughs) some people are very good at monitoring themselves and knowing exactly how much water they've drank out of their bottle. And did I fill that water bottle up? And wait, how much did I have again? But if you have three bottles and you're done the one and then you put it aside and now I've got these two other ones, you know for sure exactly how much water you have have intaked or your body has drank through the day. So in terms of potentially having too much stuff, I get what you're saying. In terms of being specific about making sure you get 75 ounces of water into your body every day, this is key. Absolutely. I think that's a great way to do it. I have seen so many different cool ideas like water bottles that have little things on them that you can move or little apps on your phone. I think there's so many ways to... I've seen some water bottles, they light up. They give you like a little, hey, time to drink. 
Yeah. Really? It's like, I, I don't know if it's an app that's attached to your phone or if it's just a timer on the bottle. It's something. And the, the water bottle will basically give you a little flash, 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 which is like a, hey, time to have a drink. Wow. Yeah. So there's stuff. There's an app for that. Of course there is. There's always an app for that. So now we are going back to how can you play along for the monthly challenge? Because this is where it gets interesting. I mean, we can do this stuff all we want, but we want you to get involved. So here's what you can do. You can subscribe to the podcast and listen in each week to hear how Peggy did with her challenge and what advice and direction that I gave her with my limited knowledge about habits and you can also join our Facebook group to get some motivation and inspiration, as well as some external accountability from a group. Search on Facebook for the Improvement Project to find the group. Also, post your progress throughout the month on the socials using the hashtag The Improvement Project. Yes, that's our hashtag. Hashtag The Improvement Project. It's awesome. <laughs> Use it. All right, now it's time for a segment we like to call Who Are You Anyway? where we encourage you to reflect on a question or a concept to know yourself a bit better, which will hopefully be a good aid as you take on new habits. So some people need to be held accountable or to create some form of external accountability. And some people seem to be able to manage new habits just by deciding and then holding themselves accountable. So today's who are you anyway is this. Are you a Jenny or a Peggy? Yes. So I think in my knowledge about myself and what I've learned is I feel like I have quite a bit of internal accountability. I think in my personality, I have enough of that in me where once I start a streak of something, I don't want to stop because I don't want to break that streak. So it's something about keeping something going and getting that momentum. And I don't want to break it once I've gotten it going. So I think that there's that tendency within me. And it's not something that I mean, me doing all these habit challenges, it's not something I really talked about a ton or was accountable to anybody else. I didn't have a partner I was doing this with. But I just never wanted to break the streak I was on, even if it was two days, I just didn't want to break that streak. How yeah. about you, Peggy? What works for you? Well, uh, I definitely need external accountability. I know very well that I'm good at showing up if someone else is depending on me or if I've told someone else that I'm going to do something. And that's part of the reason why I'm doing this, because now I've created external accountability by listeners of this podcast holding me accountable, as well as you poking me with a stick, which is how I've described it, which yes. I know you're doing that lovingly. So thank you. Uh, <laughs> but when it comes it is to a very soft stick, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> So when it comes to things like exercise and diet and self-care, if I have to rely on myself alone, it's a bit of a recipe for disaster. And in the past, what I've done is I sort of just ignore that I'm supposed to be doing these things, or I procrastinate to the point that it never gets done, or I just full on rebel and decide that I'm not going to do it. Mm. So uh, that said, if I get somebody else involved for example, if I want to go to the gym at 6 a.m. and I call up a friend and I say, hey, let's meet at the gym at 6 a.m. We're going to do our workout. If they say yes, I'll meet you there. Even though when I wake up in the morning, I hate everything and I don't want to get up. I know they're waiting for me, so I'll go. But if in my own brain the night before I said, I'm just going to get up and go to the gym at 6 a.m., as the alarm went off, I would just hit snooze and go right back to sleep. So I really do need that external accountability built in in order for me to be successful. And I know this about myself. And the more that I recognize it and 
I guess, embrace it. It puts me in a place where I can set up systems and strategies so that I'm more likely to be successful. So if you are a Peggy in this way, knowing this about yourself, can you can set up your own systems and strategies so you can be more successful in creating new habits and changing your life. Or maybe you're a Jenny. Maybe you are the type of person like me where you don't want to break that streak and you've got it in your head, you're going to do this. Which one are you? Send us an email or a voice memo to the improvement project at drpeggymalone.com or hit us up on the socials. I'm on Twitter at Jake House and Peggy is at Dr. Peggy Malone. All right. Our next segment is called You Win or You Learn. So each week, Jenny and I will trade off during the segment to let you know where we did something right and there is cause to celebrate or where something perhaps went off the rails and allowed for a learning opportunity. These can be related to our journey as we take on new habits, or they may just be celebrations and bumps in the road in our everyday lives. So for this week, Jenny, you want to go first? Oh, yes, definitely. So the win for me in the past week was keeping a commitment I had made to go to Toastmasters. I have committed to attend at least eight Toastmasters meetings. I have been attending for the past five weeks now, but last week I almost didn't go. My son was having trouble going to bed. I kind of didn't feel like going. I was supposed to make a speech that night and I was really ready to let that, um, those kind of external things of happening influence me to not go. And In the end, I went because I have this goal of wanting to go eight times and I want to get it done. I don't want to miss that week, that opportunity to check that off and be one meeting closer to meeting my goal. So I went and as soon as I got out the door and was in my car and said goodbye to my husband and son, I was so glad that I did it. I went to the meeting, my speech that I made went really well, and I would have been so sad if I had missed out on that opportunity. I got to meet a new member and talk to them about the club, and she's excited to join. So that was my big win, was not giving up on my commitment that I had made. And I think this goes back to what we just talked about, was what are, um, you know, which kind of personality type for you. And this was, again, me being where I don't want to give up on that streak I had going. Awesome. Oh, that's fantastic. And wasn't your speech about podcasts? It was, ironically. Amazing. Yes, absolutely. And it went it went really well. And, and I hope it, it was interesting to those who were there. Some of them were hearing about what a podcast was for the first time. Oh, well, hopefully those people will now be listening to this. Right? Get them on board, Jenny. I know. <laughs> All right. I'm going to... What was yours? Mine is the learn. So mm. I learned yet again that I really do need to add many layers of external accountability for tasks that are not necessarily my favorite, but they do make a huge difference in moving the needle in my life. So it's related to this podcast, exact kind of. And the way it was is you and I had a deal that we would finish up all of our bringing all of the pieces together to create this podcast today by Friday. Well, we do our Mm -hmm. recording on Monday and I didn't do it. And I don't know if you noticed I didn't do it, but I didn't do it. Life happened. The weekend started. Anyway, I procrastinate and procrastinate. And then today I, because I had built in the external accountability of you in my life and knowing that we were going to be doing this today, I sat down today and I just got after it. So thank you very much for being there to give me this external accountability, but the learn was, I just need to realize that I probably have to have a better system so that when I say I'm going to do it, it's going to be done when it's supposed to be done. Nice. 
So book report. This is the next thing that we'll be talking about on an ongoing basis throughout this podcast. Each month, as we take on a new theme and a new habit associated with that theme, we will also choose a book that goes along with it. We'll let you know at the beginning of the month which book we are reading, and then we'll discuss the book a few weeks later. This will give you an opportunity to grab the book and read along with us so that you can contribute to the conversation when we discuss the book mid-month. Awesome. Okay, so this month's book is related to habits, and it is Better Than Before by my habits guru and my pretend best friend, Gretchen Rubin. You might have heard me talk about her already. Uh, And she is pretty fantastic, and I will talk about her again in a minute. But I'm going to link to this book in the show notes, and you can find that at drpeggymalone.com forward slash podcast. So we've just touched on a few strategies today, and Gretchen Rubin in this book goes into detail with many more strategies to help you not only take on new habits, but also be more likely to keep them. So next up is what are you digging lately? This segment is, it may or not may not be related to the monthly theme. Peggy and I like to talk with each other about what podcasts we've been listening to and enjoying and what books we've been reading or what random internet hilarity we have found. And we feel like you might find it fun too. What I think this is, Peggy, is this is what used to happen uh, at our monthly chiropractic meetings is it would be like, I don't know if people are Gilmore Girls watchers, but (laughs) those who know the Gilmore Girls will know how quickly the characters on that show talk. And I feel like our appointments were a challenge to see how much Uh, we could fit into that amount of time and how much we could talk. And we would always be going back and forth saying, Hey, have you read this book? Have you listened to this? Have you done this? And a lot of times they were the same thing. So this seems like a great way for us to talk and have that conversation. Yeah. So even if these things that we're digging lately are not necessarily related to the theme or to habits, they're still going to be awesome. So uh, stay tuned. All right. So um, I guess I'm going first, right? You are. All right. Well, uh, nobody's going to find this as a surprise, but I want you to, I want to introduce you uh, to one of my online best friends. And to be frank, she really is an inspiration for this podcast. I've mentioned her a few times already. It's Gretchen Rubin. Uh, So if you don't know who she is, she is the author of several books, including The Happiness Project, Better Than Before, which is our book of the month, uh, The Four Tendencies. And she also has a podcast that she does with her sister, Elizabeth Craft, and it's called Happier and it's pretty fantastic. So she's, she's my, uh, she's my online girl. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I was just listening to one of her episodes before we started recording this tonight, actually. And, and I think, uh, I mean, if we think we nerd out hard on this stuff, Gretchen is next level. Oh yeah. She's next level nerd. She's like, she's like the nerd that the nerds love. Absolutely. Case in point. (laughs) So for me, the thing I'm digging lately, I, I spoke about earlier and that was Toastmasters. So one of the biggest fears that people have is public speaking. And I am no stranger to a fear of public speaking. And a lot of people are surprised because I think if you are someone who is pretty outgoing, people assume no problems public speaking whatsoever. But I definitely had problems public speaking. I would get very nervous, like all of those feelings that you would have. Um, Definitely, I had all of them. And it was something that I was getting tired of being an issue for me. So I decided to challenge myself to join Toastmasters. So Toastmasters is an international organization and they have chapters everywhere and you can go, you can drop in, you can check out a meeting, but they have created the most 
supportive environment to work on this skill. They give you great feedback. Uh, there's a great online uh, course structure that you follow. I can't say enough good things about Toastmasters. It has been excellent. And knowing what I know now, I would have joined sooner. Uh, there's so much to be gained by doing Toastmasters that you can just build up your confidence, uh, build better structure to the way that you speak. So I can't say enough good things about Toastmasters. So if one of your habits that you want to take on is working on your public speaking skills, why not check out a local Toastmasters club? Fantastic. All right. And that's it for this episode of The Improvement Project. Email us or send us a voice memo at theimprovementproject at drpeggymalone.com. Please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts if you haven't already. We would love to connect on the socials. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Peggy Malone and Jenny is on Twitter at jkouse. We also have a Facebook group. Search for The Improvement Project on Facebook to join into the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. Now, go get to work on improving the most important project that you have. That's you. Stay focused and get after it. We did it. We did it. Good job. As, as Jeff was, I was like, oh, I think we're going to do it now. He's like, looks at me, he goes, God, you're such a pusher. <laughs> <laughs> you are a pusher, but it's good. It's the external I accountability I need. I am a pusher. And I know it. And Jeff always says that to Ethan, too. He goes, your mother, she's a pusher. <laughs> <laughs>